0: so good to see you this morning. A big welcome has already been expressed if this is your first time with us. We're delighted that you're here, and we pray that this will not just be a moment of interest for you, but that something of the lifeblood of this message will challenge and speak to your own hearts. It's hard to remember in one regard, but you remember just a few months ago we came out of lockdown. Anybody remember that, lockdown? Trying to forget it, you said. Well, how many of you engaged in a DIY project during lockdown? There are a few. Well, I can't quite say that what I'm about to share with you is a DIY project, but it was something that we determined that we were going to sort out uh, during that time. You see, we've got a, a terraced home that's got a garage at the front of the home, and the garage is supposed to be for the car, isn't it? But we have never really been able to fit our car into the garage. It's not a very big garage in terms of width, and they've got quite a big car. So it became the place that we stored all the stuff that we didn't know what to do with. Have any of you got one of those rooms, or maybe a garage or a shed in your home? Well, this became such a place that it was absolutely piled high with stuff. And so the project during lockdown was to clear up the garage and to make it usable. Now, there were some useful things in our garage, things like our lawnmower. That's quite useful. But as well as my useful lawnmower, there was another lawnmower that had broken quite a number of years ago. And I determined that when it broke, because I paid good money for it when I initially bought it. (laughs) I thought, I'm sure I can find a YouTube video somewhere that will tell me how to fix that lawnmower, and so I'll keep a hold of it, and at some point in the future, I'll fix it, and then I can give it away or sell it or do something useful with it. So that lawnmower, as well as my youthful lawnmower, stayed in the garage. And there were other things like that. There was a washing machine, a washing machine that there was a period in our our life where we did something that we don't normally do. We bought a good washing machine. One that probably cost a little bit more than the ones we normally used to buy, which are normally those low-end ones on the basis that you probably have to replace it in a few years. But we spent a lot of money on this really good washing machine, and it broke down. Now, I did find a YouTube video on what I could do to fix it. But I didn't want the pressure of Nita looking at me and saying, when are we going to be able to wash clothes again? (laughs) While I've got all these pieces out all over the house, and all these little sections of the washing machine in bits, I didn't want that pressure. So what I did, I bought another cheap end uh, washing machine, put that in so we could do the washing, and put this really nice expensive washing machine in the garage to fix years ago. And there were all sorts of other things in the garage as well. In fact, it was piled pretty much floor to ceiling, wall to wall, with stuff. Let me tell you about some of the stuff, as well as my washing machine and broken lawnmower that was in there. I found a a few boxes of kitchen tiles that were the leftovers of a project I did three houses ago. You never know; they might come in handy one day. They were desperately out of fashion. Now, the boxes are disintegrated, and there were rat and there were mouse droppings all around the box. But you never know; they might come in handy in the carriage. But there were even worse things than that. There were loads of tins of paint that I had carefully written on the tin which bedroom the colour relates to from four houses ago. (laughs) And I thought, how did these things end up here? And I worked it out because they were all sat nicely packed in Pickford's boxes. And what had happened, in our previous home, we didn't have a garage, we had a shed. And all of these things had been moved out of that shed into our garage here. But we had never bought them in that previous house because they had been put in that shed from the previous house's garage when we moved. (laughs) And they'd been put in that garage from our previous house's shed when we moved all of those four moves ago. And here I was with this room that was meant to be useful, that was no good for anything, simply because it was full of the stuff of yesteryear there were boxes and boxes of music cds (laughs) kids you don't know what they are (laughs) we used to have to put little discs in machines to play music some of you saying i've never heard of those i've got those tapes no 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 this is after that but i don't have any device in the house that can now play a cd why would i want to i can just download everything on my phone And yet there were boxes of this stuff that I remember spending good money on it. And I remember buying it. I remember ordering it. I remember listening to it. And even though I had nothing to play it on, I thought, I can't just throw it away. In the garage it goes. There were computers that had broken down years ago. They were never any good then. But I don't want to throw them away, so in the garage they go. And this garage was piled high with useless stuff. Many of these things were with our present, but they shouldn't have been. And we were just about managing to close the garage door and ignore that they existed. But we knew that if we were going to make use of that space, something needed to change. And as I was thinking of engaging this project, I I was reminded of an experience I had a number of years ago when I was pastoring in a church in central Birmingham. We'd often get requests to the church. Could someone from the team, could one of the ministers come and see me? I'm going through a difficult time. And it was one of those calls that I was responding to. And I'd never met this gentleman before. And he lived at the top of a block of high-rise flats, in the center of Birmingham. And so I went into this block of flats. I went in the lift all the way to the floor where he was. And I knocked on the door, having no idea what was going to be the other side. And a few moments went by, and then the door slightly opened. It didn't seem like he wanted to open it all the way. And I wondered if it was a security chain, first of all. But it was no security chain. Basically, I could see just enough past this man standing in front of me to see that his passageway in his flat his two-bedroom flat, was just piled high from floor to ceiling with magazines, newspapers, cereal boxes, and a whole range of things. And there was such a small gap between all of these things and the walkway to get into the home that he couldn't even open the door properly. So he invited me in after I introduced myself, and I squeezed my way into his living room where I thought maybe he's just getting rid of all this stuff. But he wasn't getting rid of it at all, because his living room was exactly the same. The only difference in his living room was there was a little gap. There was a gap where his chair was that he sat in, and there was a gap in front of the TV that he watched. But everything else was piled high with all of this stuff. And the same was true in the bathroom, and the same was true in his two bedrooms. It was just full of stuff stuff he'd call him a hoarder but it was stuff that was of no use to him but it was affecting his daily life it was stuff that should have been got rid of a long time ago and yet there it was in front of him he didn't reference any of this stuff he didn't address the elephant in the room although an elephant would have been smaller He didn't make any reference to what was around him. It was normal to him. This was his life. He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't asking for help about that. This was just his life. This is how he lived. He knew no different. When I think about my garage, when I think about this man's flat, I think about people I've met over the years. People whose lives, not their homes, their lives are filled with junk from yesteryear. There are things that are in the past that have been held onto in the present and it impacts their everyday life. It was time to reclaim my garage. It was time to turn it into a tidy storage space. We were going to make it into a gym there were going to be things added to it, and it was time to do that. But in order to do that, I needed to get rid of my past in order to benefit my present and my future. It was time. Nothing was going to take any space in that garage unless it had a purpose for my future. The broken household goods, gone. The sentimental CDs of yesterday, gone. The broken computers, gone. The dried up paint, Gone. Even the kitchen tiles. Gone. It all had to go. It was time to call time on the past. And it was time to move on. At the beginning of this year, I introduced there were three themes we were going to look at this year. One was loved and loving. and We looked at the Song of Songs and we were reminded how God is a lover He loves us. He's for us. We are his bride. We are his joy, his delight. He loves to come alongside us. He loves to commune with us. He loves to be with us. He's not against us. He's not against you this morning. This is your first time in church. He's not angry with you because you've not been to church. He's not angry with you because of the way you've lived your life. He loves you. He loves us. It's obvious he loves us. But then there's a second thing that today is the launch of that he calls us to be healed and to be healing to others. And I believe that God is calling time on the inner junk of our lives. It's time. I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to address the baggage that we may be carrying. Whether it's obvious in the living room of your life or whether it's hidden in your garage, The gospel is an incredible news of transformation. It's a message that declares complete freedom from our past. Jesus doesn't turn up with a car and take our shame away in carloads of stages. He turns up and he removes our shame from us completely. He doesn't take one carload at a time over the course of our lives. He takes it all now. Let me read a few verses to you from the Bible that help us understand this. Colossians 2, verses 12 to 14, says these words. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. That's the symbolism this morning. They went in the water it was like they were saying, okay, the old me has been buried, and when they come out of the water, they said, this is the new me, this is the the Jesus me, this is the resurrected me. Christianity is not a change of belief, Christianity is a transformation of life. So for you are buried with Christ when you are baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. Listen to that, this is not... self-help group. This is not about you trying to live better. It was because we trusted the mighty power of God. There is no power like the power of God. He transforms and he raised Christ from the dead with that power. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away, nailing it to the cross. We who know Jesus have a new life. It's not a slightly modified life, it's a new life. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. But I love this the records kept of all of our charges have been taken away. They're gone. They're gone. They have not just been moved, they have been removed you might think Christianity might help deal with our shame and the things of our past, but it's far more than that. The gospel transforms our present and our future, not just our past. Coming to Christ is not just simply about forgiveness, although if that's the only message that there was, it would still be a message worth giving everything of our lives to. But it's even greater than that. The message of Christ is about transformation. And it says we can rejoice that the charges, have you ever been charged with anything? We can rejoice that the charges against us are removed, but find ourselves living in such a way that we continue to break the law. We can get stuck in this cycle where we know Christ forgives us, but then we carry on doing the things that he's forgiven. And he forgives us again. But then we carry on doing the things he's forgiven. And he forgives us again. And he how often does he forgive? He keeps on forgiving. But the gospel is not just called and designed to keep forgiving. It's designed to bring transformation. But there are some challenges around that. Some challenges that the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, highlighted. And he said these words in Galatians 2.20. My old self, that below the water moment of our lives, that time before we came to Christ, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us. He died on the cross with us. So I can live This earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My past offenses are removed, and this offender is transformed to such a degree that Christ is now living his life through me. But old habits die hard. It seems like there are patterns we have in our life that pull themselves off the cross. There are formations of habits and ways of thinking and experiences that even though they've been nailed to the cross and I bear them no more, that we keep taking them off and putting them in the garage, living with them in the present. I've got a confession to make to you. A few years ago, I was driving from Exeter to Crediton, and I was caught by a mobile speed camera. It was a 30 mile an hour road, and I was driving 34 miles an hour. Let him or her who is without sin (laughs) cast the first stone. When the fine came through the post, I must admit I very quickly became very defensive. And I thought through a strategy of appeal very quickly. My strategy of appeal was like this. I was only a little bit over the speed limit. I was still driving carefully. I was still driving relatively slow. Or maybe it was something like this. I was Actually, I planned this. I was going to go back to the scene of the crime. And I was going to take photographs of the signage and the lack of signage that I felt there was on that road telling me what the rules were. I had it planned out. There are other people who drive much faster than I do. Get them. <laughs> also this speed camera I was just going up the brow of a hill, up the top of a hill and then down the brow and this camera as soon as I came over the top of the hill it was waiting and I thought I'm going to get them for entrapment. <laughs> they did that to get me. And I looked through the documentation to find how I could carry out my appeal. There must be a phone number. There must be an email address or something that I can show them what for. And as I looked at the documentation, I found words similar to this. Don't submit an appeal if you were the actual driver of the stated vehicle, and indeed, you were driving over the speed limit. Don't bother. It was time for me to stop being defensive and it was time for me to put my hands up and admit that whatever my reasoning, I had indeed broken the law and I was wrong. Hands up moment. Maybe you and I, we get a bit defensive with Jesus when he points out charges in our lives, things that we have done that we're not as bad as other people. Oh, what about those others that get it wrong? Oh God, surely there's extenuating circumstances in my life. Defensive, defensive, defensive. Or I think the rules should change. I think the speed limit should be 40 miles an hour, not 30. I'm going to change it. I'm, not, I'm going to live according to whatever rules I want to put in place, not rules what you put in place. Defensive, defensive, defensive. But there comes a moment in all our lives where there's a hands-up moment. And the Bible says that we get these opportunities on earth to put our hands up. In fact, this is the time that we get to do that. But there is indeed an eternity. And if we don't take the opportunity in this life, we miss the opportunity. And so, I'm so glad that the charge that God has against me, and the charges he has against Anyone who loves him and knows him has been taken away and is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Amen. We have to put our hands up and acknowledge our guilt. No excuses, no deferring onto others. Just hands up and yes, I did it. 1 John 1:9 says, But if we will confess our sins to him, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Amen. But I wasn't just caught for my speeding offence. I was being given an opportunity to be encouraged to institute some change in my life. Rather than just have the option of paying the fine and taking the points, I was dangle the carrot the carrot is this you still have to pay but instead of paying a fine you pay to attend a speed awareness course like I know what's fast and I know what's slow why do I need to go to a course to be aware of what speed means but if I went on this course even though it cost me the same I wouldn't get any points on my license so I took the option cynically. I gathered in a room with a number of other cynical people (laughs) from all walks of life. And I felt sorry for the people who were about to share in front of this room full of cynical people. And we were led through a thoughtful journey, which helped us to consider the question, why do we speed? Now, we all know how to speed and how not to speed. It wasn't a lecture, a lecture on you know, how hard to push the accelerator. It was an insight as to why do we do it. It was provocative. It was thoughtful. And as I reflected on why I speed, or why I felt the need to speed, I realized that my reasoning was pretty poor. And as a result of my poor reasoning that I was causing needless potential danger to myself and to others. You know, I did some calculations of how much quicker I would get somewhere driving 34 miles an hour compared to 30 miles an hour, and it worked out that I would get there a few seconds quicker. (laughs) And yet, the risks, if you strike someone who walks out in front of your car at that speed, It's much more dangerous just by accelerating those four miles extra. I reflected on the why, and I'm not sponsored by the speed awareness course this morning, and trying to talk a moral message on please drive home more carefully, although if that applies, then do wear it and do consider it. I was told they'd drop the fine if I get you all to stop speeding as well. That's not true. I drove away from that course free of any penalty points with a greater understanding of why my right foot feels heavy sometimes on the accelerator. And I drove home a born-again driver (laughs) within the speed limits. It wasn't because I didn't want to get caught. That wasn't the motivation. It was because I understood it. I understood the value of doing so. I understood the value of why these laws are being put in place. There was like a rebirth in my driving experience, and a new leaf had been turned over. Can I ask the question, why do we sin? It's a really important question to ask. So we'll often say how to avoid it how to live differently, but why do we do it? We're not alone in asking that question. Because I noticed that even though I was a born-again driver, that after a few months, I found that some of my old habits began to emerge again. It It was like I was fighting years of history. And the same is true of born-again believers that there's like a fight of what we've lived with for years that contends against our desire to live right. The New Testament writers of the church in Rome asked this similar question in Romans chapter 7 and this is quite a lot of verses so let's look at these together because this is seeing the writers unpacking of this very question. So the trouble is not with the law. Mm. Come on, surely change. No, the trouble's not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Turn to the person next to you and say, the trouble's with you. No, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. For, for I am all too human a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Like an old self. Let's carry on. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong, I don't want to do what is wrong. Just checking, just checking. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power working within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Turn to the person next to you and say, What a miserable person you are. No, no, don't do it. Don't. Don't behave. You're a naughty lot today. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Let me tell you who'll free you from this it's Jesus because he hasn't just come to forgive you of your sin he's come to give you a power that allows you to live free and victorious today but there is a war and it still rages within you within all of us there's a lot of there's a lot of disillusionment around right now about leaders that have fallen People who have disappointed expectations. It's a horrible thing to see. It's painful. Can I tell you why leaders, whether they're in society or whether they're in the church, disappoint you? Because there's a war within them. And do you know why you disappoint yourself and others at times? Because there's a war within you. And the answer is not trying harder. The answer is to allow Jesus to come and take away the stuff that you've been holding on to in your past and to find freedom, to reclaim the space, to reclaim the goodness of all that the Lord has for us in our life. But it is a battle. See, there are years of instincts that you and I face when we give our lives to Christ And no matter how hidden we keep this paraphernalia, these memories, these thoughts, this stuff from our past, and I'm not talking about good things. I'm not talking about going home and throwing away your photograph album and throwing away some of those joyful memories. In fact, God's word tells us that to do not forget the things that I've done in your past. Don't forget, remember, forget not my benefits. Praise God for those things. But if those old photographs of you beating up somebody are filling you with a sense of identity today, you need to get rid of them. If when you talk about yourself, you gleefully paint an image and an impression of the tough woman or the tough guy that you were before you found Christ. If you're showing off about your long list of penalty points on the road, It's time to ditch them. It was from another life. And it's time to live in the identity of who Christ has made you today. Don't hold on to who you're not. Hold on to who you are and who you are becoming. We're forgiven. All charges are dropped. And we have a fresh revelation about how we want to live. But the old ways keep fighting back, and boy, do they fight back. Another few verses from the New Testament from Philippians 3. And it says this: "I once thought these things were valuable. my washing machine, my CDs, my paint pots. I once thought they were valuable. I once thought that there were things in my life that were important. But now I consider them worthless. Do you know, unless I considered that stuff in my garage worthless, I would not have got rid of it. You have to come to terms with the stuff of yesterday that is garbage. Stop valuing something that's worth nothing. And I consider them now worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The infinite value. It never loses its value. In these times of hyperinflation, the times when things just seem to fluctuate in their values, house prices go up, house prices go down. But Christ is infinite value. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends not on our good behavior, but it depends on us laying hold by faith of our new identity. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. That's the transformation. It's not try harder, it's not be better, it's not come on. Be a bit better person. There's a mighty power at work that wants to bring transformation to our lives, wants to change us, wants to restore us even better than we thought could be possible. I want to experience this mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. This is the gospel. They say that when you see an iceberg, you only visibly see 10% of that iceberg. 90% is beneath the surface. And the same is true of your life and my life. There's a lot more beneath the visible surface than we allow anyone to see. And yet, this transformation. You see, religion concentrates on the 10% of the visible. It says, if you make this look pretty, if you make this do certain things, you'll be okay. It's not true. Because you know, and I know, that the majority of who we are is unseen. And the Bible says this. It says, above all else... Guard your hearts. Can't see each other's hearts. Could Try and guess each other's intentions, but we usually do a pretty bad job of that. But above all else, guard the 90% beneath the surface, the unseen bits, but it's the wellspring of life. Also, the fruit on a tree is a relatively small part compared to the rest of the tree. You've got the Myriad of roots underground, you've got the big trunk, you've got the branches, you've got the leaves, and then you've got these bits of fruit. It's a relatively small area in comparison to the tree itself. Sometimes we just look at those fruitful things about our life, but God's interested in the roots, the trunk, the leaves, the branches, and he wants his life to flow through us. How you and I live, what others see about us, is but a small part of who we are. God does show interest in the 10% above the surface, but he is also really interested in the 90% unseen. And let me say this to you. If you try to fake it, you won't make it. If you try to polish the outside, to polish the surface... To lift your hands in church, to say all the right amens in the right places, to skip through the Bible reading plan just so others can see that you've done it, but it's not changing the heart. It's worthless. And these are days of great shaking. They're shaking all over the place. We've come through a pandemic. We've now got a war, and the press articles this morning about the escalation potential of that war, they're significant. We've got inflation rising like crazy. We've got cost of living crisis. We've got leadership crisis, not just in this nation, but nations around the world. There are wars and rumors of wars all over the world. There are millions of people being displaced from their homes. There's an ecological crisis. If you don't think that times are shaking, you need to read the news. But, but God, but the one who is able to keep us, the one who is exceedingly able to keep us, the one who has more than enough in our lives, but he requires us to go deep. This is just an introduction to our theme of healed and healing. Over the next few weeks, It will be like the Holy Spirit will be sending divers beneath the surface. We're going to be looking at some of those patterns that we have. Some of those unfruitful behaviors. Some of those accelerators that we instinctively hit. And yet they're not good for us. We're going to be going into the specifics of those things. And I want to encourage you. Determine to allow the Lord to search your garage to search your hearts. He wants to go way beyond our reputations, way beyond our activities, way beyond our participation. He's coming to clean out the memorability of the past and the junk of yesteryear. He's coming to offer healing for our brokenness, a a revelation for a new transformed way to live forward. Just in closing, will you open your heart Will you allow him to come close? Will you allow him to heal you? Will you stop arguing with him? Will you stop hiding? Will you stop pretending it's all okay beneath the surface? Because you've worked out how to fake it above the surface. Let's pray. I invite you to join in a simple prayer that says, Holy Spirit, in the weeks ahead, I ask that you'll come close. I ask that you'll go deep. And I ask that you will bring rivers of healing into my life. He will love that prayer. He will respond with much tenderness and grace. Just while you're praying that prayer, I want to specifically speak to anyone in this room this morning or anyone online that's never experienced Jesus turning up with his van and removing all your shame. I want to speak to anyone who's aware that every day they walk past their past pain and failure and disappointments I want to speak to those who have never encountered Jesus as a friend I want to speak to those whose hearts are yearning that as I've been talking today you thought if that's possible I want that and I have the privilege this morning of saying to you you can and you don't have to earn it because the price has been paid. you just have to receive it. It's hands up time. He wants to drop all charges, but you have to own them. It's time to quit the pride and the excuses. It's time to stop the arguments and defensiveness. It's time to say, Jesus, I need you. And you can be like a born again person he changes and renews us. If that's your prayer, I'm going to ask and invite you to pray a simple prayer that I'm going to give you an example of. And you can pray it in your mind, because God hears every thought that you have. That's how well he knows you. And if you'd like to invite him to come and remove your shame and invite him into your future, then you pray this simple prayer after me in your mind and it goes like this Jesus I thank you that you love me and I thank you that you so want me to be free of all this mess in my life you wanted it so much that you came to search for me and you gave your life on the cross for me I'm sorry please forgive me of all the mess all my shame all my sin Drive it away. Transform me. Lift the shame off my life. And I pray that you will walk into my life. And my home will be transformed by your presence. Pray that the atmosphere will change. I pray that I will know that you're with me at all times. Come and show me your love. In Jesus' name. Just while everybody remains praying with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. We had quite a number of people in the first service respond to this prayer and say, yes, I prayed that prayer. If you're here in the second service and you prayed that prayer as well, I'm going to ask you to do something relatively straightforward. just going to ask you to raise your hand where you are. And when I've seen it, I'll acknowledge it. Thank you, madam. Thank you, madam. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Whether it's for the first time to come out of God, thank you, sir. Thank you, madam. Thank you, madam. Anyone else this morning? This is a miracle moment. There's people online as well responding to that prayer. Thank you. This is miracle moment. This really is born again moment. Thank you, sir. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. Thank you. such a holy moment. this is like that moment when someone reads out all the charges against you in the dark and then someone comes in and says, "I'm taking it all for you, you're free? You're free. Holy Spirit, I pray that each of these precious men and women right now will know the hug of that freedom and they'll know how close you are. They know how much you love them and they know how free they are. And I pray it will not just be a decision. I pray it will be a transformation in their lives as they allow you to walk around and be at home in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder if we could express the sound that is the best human form reflecting The sound that takes place in heaven when people come home to Jesus. The Bible says there's parties in heaven at that moment. And I know we don't have party poppers here. I'm sure the sound PA system in heaven is even greater than the ones we have on earth. But I wonder if we can make our best sound as a welcome to all of those who pray that prayer. Come on. Let's give them a big welcome. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We have some really helpful little goodie bags with some information that will help you with that decision. Alpha will be a good place for you to think about signing up for as well. That will really help you on your journey. Um, Stewards, can you just wave us over there with the green bags? Just give us a wave. And even if you've got a blue bag, you can have a blue and a green bag if it's your first time here. The green bag is I prayed that prayer and I'd like more information. Please go and grab one of those from the stewards and they would love to give that to you. God's good, isn't he? Let's pray that our hearts would be open. I've been praying much for this over you over the past few months, knowing this series is coming. And I just try to slay the groundwork for it this morning. But I want to invite you to come expecting for the grace of the Lord to move in your life next week. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Go and be missionaries for Jesus wherever your life takes you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.